a big fan of griping and complaining. What's happening, college football fans? We are back with another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast, episode 41. Talking week 10 of college football with my friend, my brother, my man, Tyler. What's going on, man? New week of college football. Excited to get into a loaded slate of action with you. It is absolutely loaded. And what it's loaded with is college football playoff implications, guys. I mean, we're in the thick of it. And these are must-wins for all of these teams to keep their hopes and dreams for this season alive. So it is going to be a great slate of games to watch on Saturday. Let's get into it. Yeah, five top 25 on top 25 matchups that we are going to pick. And we're going to pick them against the spread. Not easy to do, but getting easier for us, man. We are a solid 12, 13 games above 500 on the season now against the spread. So doing pretty well with these picks. Obviously, we pick the games that we are most interested in watching. So not necessarily games that we would put our own money on, but uh, just trying our best to to be on the right side here and enjoy getting on every week and talking a little bit of ball for you guys. If you listen to it, we appreciate it. Want to remind you to go ahead and give us a rating on your podcast platform that helps get us out to other people kind of have to uh, work the algorithm there so that people can hear our podcast, but also just a reminder to share it with somebody and to make sure you're following us on all social media platforms as well. We appreciate you listening. So without further ado, six picks against the spread. What do you say? You ready? Let's go. All right, let's get into it, baby. Let's jump right in. Let's jump into, let's go Big 12. Got a big, Big 12 showdown. A team that has had some momentum the last few weeks after starting slow. And a team that started really hot, cooled down one week, but still has college football playoff hopes and dreams alive. We're talking about number 23, Kansas State, sitting at 6-2 and two this year. They're going to Austin to face off against number 7, Texas. Longhorns are a four-point favorite at home without Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers obviously did not play last week. Uh, Malik Murphy stepped in for the Longhorns to lead them to victory and keep the season alive. But can he do it against this Wildcats team? Really well-coached Wildcats team under Chris Kleiman. Obviously, your Big 12 champions last year. Could be could be a sneaky one. Like, like this is maybe like one of those trap games for Texas, it seems like. Obviously, Vegas thinks it's going to be close. What are you thinking here? It could be. I mean, I like this Murphy guy. Uh, we saw him last year. He stepped in for Quinn Ewers during that Alabama game, kept it really close for him. Uh, and he looked good last week as well. Um, and then on the other side, you got Will Howard, who we know what we got in him. I think he's got a little bit of turnover issues. He does have seven picks on the season, so you like to see that get corrected a little bit. Um, but he's a solid quarterback, and he's leading a, a good uh, Kansas State team right now. I'm looking for a little bit of offense in this game. I think both of these teams have have pretty good defenses. 
Um, but I want to see what these offenses can do. I mean, Quinn Ewers has all those dudes. I was talking about them on the last podcast. I think that they should be a little bit higher in the rankings. I think that they could jump Oregon. They got the playmakers to do so. They got Xavier Worthy. I mean, they got A.D. Mitchell. Um, So I'm interested to see if the weapons around the quarterback can help them out in a tough spot. And then, you know, your, your defense, get a couple stops, get some turnovers to help you out on there. Yeah, obviously I like this Texas defense too. You know, we saw them in that early season matchup against Alabama. Really two years in a row we've seen them face off against an Alabama team and their defense kind of be one of the storylines in that game. Yep. Kansas State's an interesting team for me because, like I said, they kind of started slow right to begin the season, losing to Missouri, and we're kind of like, oh, what's going on with this Kansas State team? Well, then we find out that Missouri's actually pretty decent, right? So that doesn't necessarily look like a terrible loss. So they've only got one conference loss. Believe it or not, like this Kansas State team is still in the Big 12 race right now. As much as we're talking about Texas and Oklahoma and maybe even Oklahoma State here in a few minutes, Kansas State is also still alive in this conference. So they've they've definitely got something to play for here in this game. Without yours, you know, Last week was tough because you kind of throw Murphy in there. This week you're going to get the game plan with Malik Murphy, right? Like you you threw him in last week and he's kind of running the Quinn Ewers offense, not necessarily doing the things that make Malik Murphy a really good quarterback. I think Sarkeesian will be able to dial some things up for him. Jonathan Brooks, though, like if you want to talk about somebody that can take some pressure off of Malik Murphy, it's that running back for Texas. Brooks has looked really good for them so far this year, has been able to um, exploit defenses every single week, it seems like. I expect them to do that. I expect them to take advantage of some shots downfield maybe against a somewhat decent, maybe average Kansas State secondary. We've touched on Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell. Like they got dudes on the outside, right? Um, but part of me thinks Kansas state can keep this close, like a field goal game. It's right at four, you know, like if it was sitting three and a half or three, I almost would take Texas in this one, but, uh, I think I still am going to take Texas, but I, I would not I, my, like my confidence factor is, is kind of low on this one. I'm, I'm right on the fence of, uh, actually leaning wildcats here, but I think I'm going to take Texas, uh, to cover four, maybe 27, 21, something like that. And I bait you with a little bit of numbers, and I don't know how much you buy into this whole common opponents thing. Yeah. But two weeks ago, Texas plays Houston. They win 31 to 24. A little mm-hmm. bit of a slip up, but they do get the dub. Kansas State plays Houston last week. They went 41 to nothing. Smoked them, yeah. And over the last two weeks, Kansas State has outscored their opponents 82 to 3. Yeah. 82 to 3 against Houston and TCU. So, you know, we know that this isn't the TCU of last year, but I like Kansas State in the spot. They're the hot hand right now. I mean, they've got all the momentum on their side. A little bit of a slip-up game against Oklahoma State, but we know that that's a good Oklahoma State team now. I think it's a little bit closer. I'm going to take Texas to win, but I got Kansas State covering that spread. Field goal game. 
Yeah, I can't really argue with it. Yeah. Like I said, I was right there kind of on the line as well. But um, I think we'll be on opposite sides. Make that graphic look a little bit sexier on opposite sides for the first one. We'll see if we can uh, maybe get, get going in the same direction here. Let's jump into the SEC. Let's go back-to-back SEC games here. We'll do another noon game real quick, and then we'll head to the game of the week. Texas A&M and Ole Miss first, though. Texas A&M 5-3 had some very big wins for that program, some very big losses for that program, it seems like, this year. They're going on the road to face off against a top-10 team in the Ole Miss Rebels. Rebels only that one loss. So far, that that loss to Alabama, they're sitting as a yeah, sitting as a slim three point favorite at home right now. So Vegas expects this one to be a shootout. Can Texas A and M slow down this Ole Miss offense? Can Texas A and M's offense with Connor Wegman get anything going against this middling Ole Miss defense? Should be interesting to see kind of which one of those prevail. What are we thinking here? Aggies and Rebels going down at noon on Saturday. Three-point spread is a little bit of a head-scratcher for me, man. I mean, obviously, the the storyline for this game is this per, this pretty darn good Texas A&M defense, especially their secondary, up against uh, Jackson Dart and this Ole Miss passing attack. But then you got – the thing is for Ole Miss, if, if they want to cover the spread, and I think it's very attainable, I'm going to take them to cover the spread – but here's what you got to do. We know that Texas A&M has really good cover corners, but you also have Kenshawn Judkins at running back. Can you can you establish a good running game to complement that passing attack? I need to see complementary offense from this Ole Miss team. I have no doubt that their defense can do what they got to do against this really piss-poor Texas A&M offense. Um, but... Can Ole Miss play complementary offensive football and and be very two-dimensional here and keep Texas A&M on their toes, keep those safeties honest, uh, and and really dial up something on offense? If they can, I'll take Ole Miss bigger than this. I'll, I'll go hotty toddy Tyler again. I'll do it. Start to uh... – Starting to get pretty consistent here with these old Miss picks after after fading them in that first one. I'm not big on Texas A&M, though, is a thing. I mean, I, I think Ole Miss probably drops another game this season, but it's not to this Texas A&M team. Jimbo's still on the hot seat. Yeah, so I for this one, for me it comes down to, you know, what are we going to get out of this Texas A&M offense? You know, they, they do have some weapons on the offensive side of the ball. You know, you talk about Anaya Smith and Evan Stewart. I mean, they've got really good twitchy guys on the outside that are able to kind of stretch defenses. But I've been somewhat impressed with Ole Miss's ability to, like, avoid the Ole Miss kind of game. Seems like every year they, they start off really hot. They go, you know, 6-0 and or – seven and one in this case start off the season really hot and then lose three out of the last four so we're kind of right at that spot right where it seems like Ole Miss tapers off a little bit towards the end of the season and loses all of that momentum that they have early on is this a spot where Texas A&M can do that to them something's telling me Vegas thinks so and as much as much as I would love that Ole Miss Georgia game to be really big top 10 showdown next week 
for some reason, I got a feeling Texas A&M might have something here. I don't know. I'm like right on the fence for this one as well. I'm, I don't feel comfortable about either of these last two picks. Definitely wouldn't be putting my own money on either one. You're getting 20 points out of this Texas A&M offense. I'll give you that. You're getting 20 points. So what can Ole Miss score? Can they get four touchdowns? Yeah. I'll uh, I'll go Ole Miss as well. I think, I think I'll take the Rebels in this one. You got to win by more than a field goal, so I'm not super confident in this one either. Neither one of these will be my lock of the week. So uh, just, uh, yeah, not super confident, but I'll take Rebels as well. You took Rebels? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll both be on the same side there. Let's stay in the SEC and talk about the game of the week. A couple of top 12 teams in the country. You have your back-to-back defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. They're going to host the number 12-ranked Missouri Tigers, who are 7-1. and one. A lot of momentum right now in Columbia, Missouri. But the Dogs, still big favorites at home, 15 points. Got to take them to win by 16 if you want to take the Dogs in this one. Big, fat spread here. Is that too much? We saw Georgia cover last week against Florida. Only the second time, though, this year. Can they can they do it again, back-to-back weeks, against a Missouri team that has looked really potent on offense lately? Yeah, that's a lot of points. And the reason that Missouri's looked so potent is Luther Burden. I mean, this guy is a do-it-all wide receiver for Missouri. I mean, the way that they can disguise him in coverage, the way that they motion him to the other side pre-snap, and it gives – Missouri so many looks and it makes the defense show their hand before the ball is ever snapped and that's something that Missouri's been really good at being able to take advantage of um so th- that guy being on the Missouri side is such a weapon for them and that's why they're sitting at 7-1 number 12 team in the country it's a very good team obviously we, we talked about Georgia not having Brock Bowers their best playmaker didn't really affect them too much against uh, against this Florida team, who is an okay Florida team, they're all right. Um, they're not the best, but they're they're certainly not the worst. Um, but can they replicate it? Is what I asked last podcast, and that's still something that I'm waiting to see. I I want to see them be able to replicate it. Uh, what what's the backup tight ends going to come in and do? Are they going to run more eleven personnel? Uh, I've got to see that, and then I've got to see them establish that run game. And then I think the big key here for Georgia is defensively, you got to start out hot. They've their Georgia's defense has started out really cold in a few important games. They let up a, a first drive touchdown against South Carolina, against Vanderbilt, Florida. And yeah. it kind of takes that punch in the mouth for them to get going. But is a punch in the mouth from Missouri going to give them a little bit too much momentum? It helps this is Georgia. A team that punched them in the mouth last year, as you talk, talked about, and uh, right. it was hard for them to kind of bounce back from that. Right. So I think that this is a very good Missouri team. I think they are going to put up points and have this Georgia defense on their heels for a little bit. Um, I don't think that the game is ever too far out of question for Georgia, but 15 and a half points is a lot. I hate to do it, but I think Georgia wins this game, but Missouri's going to cover this spread. Yeah, I I think Missouri might have some success on offense as well. I you know, you touched on the weapons. Obviously, Burden has been 
insane this year. I mean, just ridiculous. As a sophomore, 61 catches, 900-plus yards, six touchdowns so far. And Theo Wees has looked really good this year as well. He's got five touchdowns. They can run the ball with Colin Schrader. The running back has nine touchdowns on the year. Brady Cook been very efficient, completing 70% of his balls, 15 touchdowns to only three picks. The offense is there. Now, this is a really good Georgia defense. I think this secondary – can probably match up with these receivers better than any secondary Missouri's faced so far this year. Do you want to talk about Kamari Lasseter on the outside? Obviously, Starks and Bullard, the safeties. Tyke Smith leads the team in interceptions with four. The question for me is, how many times can Missouri get a stop in this game? You know, because, like, sure, Missouri, Missouri might score 20 points, you know, three touchdowns. I Like, I feel comfortable giving them that. Because, honestly, how many stops should they get against this Georgia offense? This offense has been on a roll the last few weeks. Obviously, started the season a little slow, but they're averaging 40 points per game. Carson Beck has looked the best he's looked the last two weeks, maybe last three weeks. The running game is starting to click a little bit with Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton getting healthy. Obviously, no Brock Bowers, but wasn't really an issue. Against Florida, Lad McConkey stepped up big. Rara Thomas coming on strong. I don't see this Missouri defense getting a lot of stops, man. I just really, I really don't. I could see, like I said, I could see Missouri scoring 20 points, but I could also easily see Georgia scoring 42, 43, like they did last week against Florida. I think, I think dogs can cover this one, actually. I'm going to think I'm going to take them to cover that 15. Little extra odds for you. Over under sitting at. 55 and a half what you taking on that one if you're giving missouri 20 is is georgia scoring 35 plus yeah i got like like i said i think i got georgia scoring 40 okay 38 minimum georgia scoring 40 so yeah if missouri scores 17 like maybe maybe over barely i could also see this georgia defense holding them to 10 13 you know, and having a really dominant performance. So it was 13 points for the Gators last week until the last minute of the game. So I'm going to take our dogs. I got burned on uh, my non-homer pick last week. I could have had a nice 6-0 and week, and I uh, got burned on it. So And it could be me this week now. Gonna take, yeah. <laughs> We're going to take the homer pick here and ride with the dogs. All right, to the Big 12 we go one more time. For Bedlam, one more time, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, traditional rivals for 100-plus years now, and this will be the last year that they will play for the foreseeable future as Oklahoma moves to the SEC starting next year. But it is a big game. Should be a good one. Number nine, Oklahoma coming off of that loss against Kansas last week. They're 7-1, and one, and they're going on the road to face off against the Pokes. Ranked number 22, 6-2 on the year. Oklahoma, a six-point favorite. Got to take them to win by a touchdown and an extra point if you're going to go Sooners here. What say you, Mr. Tyler? This could be another tricky spot for the Sooners, man. Kansas is a tough team last week. Oklahoma State has looked really good the last several weeks in Stillwater. Yeah, it's tough. I I feel like it's either going to go two ways, either – you know, this Oklahoma State team's going to come and punch Oklahoma in the mouth here, or 
Oklahoma could be seeing a little bit of a bounce back game, a little get right game, as you like to call it. Um, I'm not, I'm not as impressed with either one of these defenses as, as some people are. I, I think that you know they're they're letting up on average thirty points a game each. Um, so I do think it's a high scoring game. I, I think it's a little bit of a shootout here, um, and it being. In Oklahoma State, primetime, 3.30. It's a tough one, man, because it's it's right at 6. So, you know, a little backdoor touchdown to win the game, something like that easily covers for Oklahoma. I think that they need the bounce-back game. I think that they got the guys to do it. Dylan Gabriel's a really good quarterback. He's got command of this offense. The guys trust him. Um I think I'm going to go with with what I know that I have in Dylan Gabriel and in that Oklahoma offense. I I think they just they put up too many points. I think it I think it's a close game. I think it comes down to late fourth quarter, but Oklahoma touchdown to win the game feels about right. For me, this one comes down to Oklahoma State being smart. Like, I feel like you can very easily get emotional in a big rivalry game and kind of get away from what gives you success. Oklahoma State has a running back that's already got over (laughs) a 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns this year. He's got a 75-yard run this year. He's averaging almost eight yards per touch this year. And his name is Mr. Gordon. Okay, that's what we're going to call him. (laughs) This man shows up, and it is all business. Ollie Gordon, sophomore out of Fort Worth, Texas, and has just been absolutely electric for that Oklahoma State offense this year. I think they got to feed him, man. Feed him and try to keep Dylan Gabriel on the sideline. And when he comes on, force him into a mistake. Force him into a mistake like Kansas did. You know, can you limit him? Can you keep him in the pocket? I think this is an Oklahoma State team that has been playing better defense the last couple of weeks. Now, granted, they didn't start the year very hot, losing to South Alabama. I mean, like you almost almost write them off right there, right? But, I mean, 4-0 in the month of October, this team is trending in the right direction right now. I think Oklahoma goes back-to-back weeks with upset in-conference losses. I think that they are reeling right now. I think they started the season hot. I think they played their best game of the season against Texas in that Red River rivalry, and I think they have hit a little bit of a wall here in October and November. I'm going to take the pokes to not only cover, but to win this game outright and beat Oklahoma. Last game. Last time for Bedlam. In Stillwater, I think they get the big win. All right, we got two more matchups to touch on. I want to go to the Pac-12 out west because a team that we have tried to avoid talking about the last couple weeks has a big game against a number five team in the country, team that was uh, maybe feeling a little disrespected this week, got a big game. Maybe they can earn some of that respect back. Talking about number five, Washington, sitting undefeated, but the lowest ranked undefeated team in the newest college football playoff rankings. They are headed to sunny Los Angeles to face off against the number 20, somehow ranked USC Trojans, who are seven to 
seven and two and have not looked very impressive over the last month, but uh, still hanging on on that top 25 somehow. Washington, three-point favorite as a road team. What do we think, man? Can USC, like we said, this is probably a two-loss team? Well, they're already there. So is this more than a two-loss team? Uh, can Washington possibly slip up here? Or do they kind of, you know, play with their food the last couple of weeks and then get it going against this USC defense It looks so bad? USC should already be a three-loss team. I mean, three overtimes against Arizona. Come on. I mean, you win by one point against Cal. Come on. I mean, they could potentially be a four-loss team right now, honestly. I mean, they, they've survived their last or their last two wins. Their last four games total have just been absolute atrocities for me. And then they barely hold off Colorado after that big comeback. At first, I thought it's going to take a, a solid defense to beat USC. But I don't even think it takes a solid defense to beat USC. I think they're just a beatable team. I think if you can get offense going, then USC is just a beatable team. And it's hard to find a better offense than Washington here. They've got some defensive troubles too. Don't get me wrong. I think Caleb Williams, you know, has a little bit of of a showing out party. But Washington's got one of the best offenses in the league right now. They are rolling. They're got the big win against Oregon. They're right outside. They're number five. They need that resume booster beating a top 25 team. And I think three points is maybe a little disrespectful for Washington. I think that they own the Pac-12 right now, and they are looking to hold on to it and make their case. They're waiting for that Ohio State-Michigan game to be played so that they can sneak their way in. And they're going to do what they have to do to stick around until that can happen. Give me the Huskies. What do you think this spread is on a neutral site? On a neutral site? I I think Washington five and a half. Maybe something like that. I, I think Washington gets a little bit more of a boost, but not too much. I mean, spreads really don't change drastically based off of the venue. Right, so you think, you know, USC's home field advantage like two and a half? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, giving them here. So the, the Coliseum is somewhere to play. The Coliseum is huge. It's historic. Um, so it does give you a little something. Five points better than USC if we if we played this on neutral site. I don't like that. Doesn't seem right to me, man. What we've seen from Washington. I mean, this is what we've I'd, seen. Against USC? I'd still take Washington minus five and a half all day. I'm just trying to think from a a Vegas perspective, of an odds maker's perspective. They're probably not going to go too much over, but I'd still hammer that that spread. Something just tells me, like, something's up here, man. I feel like this should still be bigger. Like, you got number nine Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma's a six-point favorite on the road. Like... I don't know. This is just a little suspicious to me. I think I'm going to take Washington too, but I'm not super confident about this, man. I got a weird, weird gut feeling that USC could win this game. What does it take for them to win the game? It takes Caleb Williams 
doing what he needs to do and not anything more than that. Like, you know, obviously this USC defense is going to let up some points. I think Washington probably scores 35 to 40 in this one pretty comfortably. But I think USC could also score 35 to 40 points against this Washington defense. It's just going to have to be mistake-free. Like, if you are capable of scoring 40 points, but you have two or three turnovers, like we saw against Notre Dame, then obviously that's going to be an issue and and you're not going to be able to win that ball game. But I think Caleb Williams tries to protect the ball a little bit here. I think that USC, obviously they're talented on offense, right? Like, that's not the issue. They should be able to scheme up some points here if I'm Lincoln Riley. I don't know, though. It's just like I, after the way I've talked about them, to pick them just seems low down and dirty, you know. So I think I'm going to take Washington here, but I, I got a weird feeling about this one. If we come back next week and Washington's lost this game somehow, I'm not going to be super shocked, I don't think. Would you be? I would be just a little bit just because I just have very, very little faith in a USC defense. I I think Washington puts up much more points than you do. Um, I got them more in the 40 range for this game. Um, But no, it's not an unwinnable game for USC by any means. But I just I think Washington's a better team. I think that they know what they're working towards right now. And I think that they're focused and ready to go. They're on a roll. And USC is just kind of trying to figure out what they're doing here and just trying to make their case to to get somebody in New York for the Heisman ceremony and Caleb Williams. And that's pretty much their consolation prize right now is a Heisman in a bowl game. Same yeah. way it was last year. Yeah. Washington has bigger aspirations, and that's going to take them further. All right, last one of the six. We have got a good one going down in the SEC, number 14, LSU. But they are going on the road against the number eight team in the country, the Alabama Crimson Tide, who are favored by field goal, just a field goal at home. If you remember, this was a great game last year. Can Alabama and Nick Saban exact some revenge here maybe? Only the one loss so far this year against Texas. No SEC losses for Alabama. They're leading the SEC West right now. That race for Atlanta. Should be a good game, man. Saturday night. What are we thinking? This is always always a good one between these two programs. This is one where you look at this game on paper and you got to crumple it up and throw it in the waste bin because – these teams are not what they look like on paper. Yes, this LSU offense is potent. It's really good. Jaden Daniels is one of the best quarterbacks in college football when he gets outside of the pocket and uses his legs. Uh, and this Alabama offense, I, I still don't know what they're doing here. You know, their best wide receiver is Jermaine Burton. Uh, McClellan's having an okay mid at best year right now, but there's something about this Alabama team that, I mean, they're not going to take any more losses until they can get to the SEC championship. They, they have the recipe for success. I mean, it's still Alabama. Yes. LSU is good, but LSU's defense. I mean, they're going to make Alabama's offense look good. 
That's why you got to crumple up the paper. They're going to make Alabama's offense look good because their defense is non-existent. It's freaking Swiss cheese right now, yeah. and they haven't been able to figure it out. Whereas Alabama, you see improvement week by week. It It's small increments, but you are seeing this Alabama team get a little bit better and better each week uh, as the season goes on, which, you know, is – very promising for me. I mean, they, they've played a pretty good Tennessee team. They played a good Texas A&M defense, and they got better from there. Um, that win against Ole Miss is huge for them. So I think three and a half, it's in Bryant-Denny. It's a night game. It's the biggest game of the year for these two programs outside of a championship. Um, and it's likely for a championship if you're Alabama and – for LSU, it's to stay in the race and, you know, have your shot at it at the end of the years. Um, I got to roll with the tide here, man. It's just I, – I think that there's something about this LSU defense that just put – that gives up too many points. And at home, I'll take this Alabama defense to, you know, put a little bit of a blanket on Jaden Daniels, make it a little bit tougher for him. But they got to keep him in the pocket. Yeah, these LSU receivers – Man, I mean, we, we're obviously talking about Jaden Daniels as a potential Heisman candidate right now. But you got to give these receivers some credit. I mean, especially this Malik Neighbors guy. I mean, can we talk about him for a second? Talked about Luther Burden. Those are probably your all-SEC receivers right there, one and two between mm-hmm. Burden and Neighbors. Almost 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. And then Thomas has got 730 yards, 11 touchdowns. I mean, they've got weapons. The running backs, you know, not super efficient. But uh, Diggs and Williams have been able to, you know, kind of do the bare minimum and get by. It's really been Jaden Daniels putting on a cape and finding those big receivers downfield. 73% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns, only three interceptions this year for Daniels. He's looked immaculate really like and he's had to do it because like you said this defense is just horrible for me Alabama man this defense is really kind of rounded into form at the perfect time you know you see the offense doing what they can to score 24 27 points to win these games and the defense is able to shut down Ole Miss and for the most part shut down Every other team that they had to play, Tennessee in the second half didn't score a single point. What, like, what do you have to get to? What number do you have to get to if you are Alabama on offense to feel comfortable about covering this spread? 30. 30? I'd say 30. Somewhere around there, plus or minus two. Right. I think I agree with you. And that's why I think I'm going to be on the same side as you because I see this defense holding LSU to around 24, 27, somewhere around there, like max 30. And I think Alabama should be able to take advantage of a really shaky LSU secondary. I mean, you talk about Jalen Milrow and what he does best. It's throwing that deep ball, baby. He's going to air it out, and he does pretty well. When he does that, so uh, I, th- I think he hooks up with Burton a couple times deep, and this Alabama team scores 30, 30 plus, and is able to end up covering that spread. I think we'll be on the same side for that one. I just don't don't trust this LSU defense to 
get enough stops to bail out this LSU offense. If Jaden Daniels gets this win, he might just take home the Heisman. This might be his Heisman moment if he's able to get this one done because he has basically put this team on his back every single week this year. He's certainly up there. I got some other names that you could throw in that hat too, but he's definitely up there. I'm looking for him to at least be in New York at the end of the year. Who who would have had a better Heisman moment than that so far? I mean, really, I mean, Dylan Michael Gabriel looked Pen- good against Texas. Penix Michael Penix against Oregon, I guess, yeah. but not as great the past few weeks. And Daniels just keeps doing the damn thing. Brock Bowers, I mean, if he didn't get hurt, (laughs) come on. Yeah. Hey, Carson Beck, baby. He's coming. (laughs) He's coming. Hey, that's six picks against the spread. We'll recap them really quick and then get out of here. So on opposite sides, Kansas State and Texas. I like Texas to cover four. You like Kansas State to keep it closer, but Texas to win straight up, correct? Correct. Win win the game. Uh, Both on Ole Miss, minus three against Texas A&M, should win by more than a field goal, we think. And then you like Missouri to keep it within 15, Georgia to win. I like the dogs big here, scoring lots of points on Saturday. In Athens, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, opposite sides here. You think the Sooners cover six? I got the Pokes covering six and winning straight up. That's right. Another upset goes down in the state of Oklahoma. Both on the same side, Washington versus USC. We say Huskies should win by more than a field goal. And then the same thing for Alabama and LSU, both with the tide on this one, should win by more than a field goal. Should be a good week of college football, man. Lots of games going down that uh very interesting. All right, that should do it. That's six picks against the spread. We will be here in just a few days to recap these picks. Any final thoughts? You guys know the spiel by now. Give us a follow. If you haven't done it already, I'm highly disappointed in you because i say it every (laughs) single week yeah Uh, but it seriously if guys have listened this far on the podcast uh we really appreciate it give those recap podcasts a listen we're gonna now that the college football playoff poll is out we're gonna be recapping those in the recaps of our picks so it's an important one you don't want to miss it there's lots of good stuff that goes down there we give more takes uh than just the six picks that we have uh so you know check them out for sure for my brother tyler i am aj and this was another episode of the saturday six podcast we'll catch you again soon